of Dayton Women in the Word podcast. Did you know that there are over 300 prophecies pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament? Over and over, the Old Testament shows us that God is a God who keeps his promises, and none more important, the promise of a Messiah who would restore creation to its creator. We are calling this season Fulfilled because we will walk through just a few of these prophecies and see how Christ perfectly fulfills them during his earthly incarnation. Let's listen in as our guests share about one of these fulfillments today. We are in season nine. Um, The season is called Fulfilled, and we are looking at how prophecies were spoken in the Old Testament and then fulfilled in completion through Christ's life and work in the New Testament. Um, Today, I am here with my friend, Carol. Um, So Carol, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are and what your life looks like here in Dayton? Yes, thank you. My husband and family have been here for about 20 years. We come from Winnipeg, Canada, so we have a Canadian perspective and we are so grateful that we are guests in this country. So Dayton is home and I am happy to be here at the church and in the word and sharing with you today because that is the heartbeat of our life Mm. here. That's great. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, we are spending the season looking at different prophecies. So Carol, what prophecy from the Old Testament have you chosen to talk about today? The prophecy that I've chosen to speak today is found in Genesis 17, verses 1 to 7. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout many generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God called Abram when he was 75 years old in Genesis 12. So Genesis 12, 1 to 3 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The promise that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abram, was made as God called Abram to leave his country, his people, and his father's household. As Abram obeyed and did as the Lord told him, God confirmed that promise with a covenant further in Genesis 15, and then again in Genesis 17. This describes the covenant God made with Abraham, stating that he would be the father of many nations. That's great. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, where 
where our discussion goes today and how we see this um, kind of, you know, obviously we are, we're fast forwarded many, many years in 2020. So we can really see the impact of what this prophecy meant. Mm-hmm. Um, we always love to make sure that we emphasize the context of scripture. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about what was going on at the time of this prophecy or this covenant? Um, maybe who spoke it? Who might have been the original audience? And what would it have meant for those original hearers to hear this covenant? Abram was a man from an area much different than the promised land. Mm. So the context would have been a faith call on Abram to leave his home and father's country and move. Um, These words were spoken to Abraham. They were repeated and then recorded for the many generations of Israelites that followed the birth, growth, and establishment of the people of Israel. In the hearing of the prophets and in the further prophecies made about the coming of the Messiah, the people would have gained hope Mm -hmm. and confidence as they followed the word of the Lord. Very early on, with the disobedience of Adam and Eve, came the promise that the seed of the woman would strike the head of our enemy and prevail against Satan, Mm -hmm. recorded in Genesis 3. God had a plan to reconcile humankind back to himself as soon as that unforgivable act was mm-hmm. was made the covenant was the foundation of the lord jehovah's relationship with the people of israel from the very beginning of his interactions with abraham god sought to bless not just the direct descendants but all the people on the earth as the peoples on earth are blessed they bring a greater glory to the name of god a clear call of giving god praise is repeated often by the people of israel and by all the nations and this is especially evident in psalm 67 may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Mm. God begins to fulfill his reconciling mission by forming a special people, Israel. Those original people that would have heard this covenant as they read the scriptures in Genesis that Moses would have written, Mm. with whom he had a covenant relationship and through whom he would bless all the nations. When the people disobey, God promises future reconciliation through one who would extend divine revelation to the ends of the earth. And there are many, many prophecies made about the coming Messiah. Mm. And Isaiah 49 is a very striking clarity of that role. Isaiah 49, verse 5 to 6. 
And now says the Lord, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honoured in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, and this is a prophecy about Jesus, mm -hmm. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel? I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This repeats the intent the purpose of God to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Yeah, that um, it's just, it's so interesting to see, you know, the transition of the, the initial speaking of the, those prophecies and what it would have meant um, as the nation of Israel grew. So, you know, we start back with Abram or Abraham who was, elderly and was given this promise mm -hmm. that you know from his eyes seemed very doubtful mm -hmm. of it coming to you know how how was it going to come to fruition and you know we know that God isn't constrained to our understanding or interpretation of how something might come to be and sure enough you know we we see that come through Isaac's life. And, you know, we've had some other guests, you know, reflect on some of those um, other aspects of Abraham's story. Mm -hmm. And then again, you know, like, like you mentioned, this, this promise is for an ultimate fulfillment that we will see, mm -hmm. you know, I know later on, we're going to talk about what, what it'll look like, you know, when full restoration finally comes, but how it must have been so important for the nation of Israel to be reminded that, you know, God had spoken this promise over them. Mm -hmm. And not just, we, we know that it's, it doesn't just end with the nation of <coughs> Israel, but we see, you know, graciously it's extended to all people. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know your personal background. I don't have Jewish heritage in, in my family tree. So, um, to I personally benefit from the fact that, you know, God didn't didn't confine his ultimate restoration to mm -hmm. just one. You know, the the Israelites were important to be his chosen people, but he invites us all mm -hmm. into this ministry of reconciliation mm -hmm. like you mentioned. Mhm. Mm um, is there anything else that you find um, important from the Old Testament before we start to move towards how Christ fulfills this prophecy? Are there any other things that we should um, you know, pay attention to from the Old Testament before we move forward? There is a direct call to honor and worship God right from the first day of the covenant that they would obey him mm -hmm. and bring honor and glory to his name. And that is that story continues through the Old Testament with every admonition to honor and glorify God. So mm -hmm. his praise and the glory of his name is the primary goal of God reaching the nations through the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. And that is through every story in every book of the Old Testament. And it just it just swings right into the New Testament. Right, right. Mm -hmm. All right. So where do we see um, Christ fulfilling this Abrahamic covenant in the New Testament? God will accomplish his person, his purpose to bring the nations, all languages, all cultures into a living relationship with him, bringing honor and praise to his name. And Jesus 
bore the sin of all humanity, offering his life for us so we might be reconciled to him. Jesus fulfilled the words of the prophet Isaiah from Matthew 12, verse 18. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not wrangle or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Mm -hmm. The vision Jesus, Jesus had is summed up in John 17, verse 4, which he stated at the end of his life, I glorified you, God, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. The fulfillment of the prophecy was made possible through the ministry of Jesus, his obedience to death, and then to take his seat at the right hand of God. The prophecy in Genesis 17 states that Abraham would be made the father of many nations. So as Jesus reconciled humanity to God, the fulfillment of that prophecy became possible. Jesus' vision of God's greater glory was his focus and his purpose. And that same vision of God's glory throughout the world fuels our purpose accomplished through the body of Christ. That's great. Um, so just like we did in the Old Testament, speaking of the Abrahamic covenant, um, we'd like to know a little bit about what was going on now that we've moved into the New Testament a little bit. So I'm sure there's going to be other potential um, spots where we see this covenant being addressed more. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about um, the context of where this covenant is referenced in the New Testament. So again, you know, who who was speaking about it? What would it have meant to the original hearers when we start referencing the Abrahamic covenant in the New Testament? When we look at Jesus' ministry, primarily to the Jewish people, he was accused and crucified. And then upon his resurrection, he told the disciples that they would receive power mm -hmm. when the Holy Spirit has come on them. This is Acts 1 verse mm -hmm. 8. And that they, you will be my witnesses, he said, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when we see the unfolding of the early church, the disciples spoke primarily to the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. And upon their rejection of the word, it's very clear in Acts that they made a shift through Peter and began their ministry to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So those who followed Jesus continue that vision of bringing glory to the Father through the worship from every people. The disciples were filled with the power of God so that the fulfillment of that prophecy would indeed extend to all the families of the earth. The disciples were sent 
into the world as Jesus himself was sent by the Father. John 20, verse 21 says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So what do we see um, as you've studied this? What do you find meaningful in the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant to the rest of the nations? There's a few verses in Zechariah 8, verse 20 to 23, that describe God's intent to bring people of every nation, tribe, and language into his kingdom. God chose to work through the people of Israel and then the church so that his people would become agents of his mission and his kingdom. The stories of the covenant and the prophecies all point to the heart that God has to bring every nation into his kingdom. So I'm going to take a second here and find Zechariah. Verse 8, chapter 8, verse 20. Thus says the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Come, let us go to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, ten men from nations of every language shall take hold of a Jew, grasping his garment and saying, Let's go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And that heart, through the Old Testament, and then through the prophets, and then fulfilled in Jesus, and then extended through the disciples and the early church, was very clear that the word came first to the Jewish nation, Mm -hmm. that Jesus was their Messiah and would bless them through a new covenant of his blood. But Jesus, in his interactions with people, in the people that he ministered to, always gave us an example of loving and reaching out to those of a different culture and people. And so with that call, which is really clear in the Great Commission, Mm -hmm. to go into all the nations. So Jesus' life gave evidence to his heart for people outside of the Jewish community For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, that whosoever believeth in him should have eternal life. John 3.16 At the end of his life, Jesus warns the disciples of persecution and encourages them to stand firm. Matthew 24, verse 12 to 14 Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, Jesus said, will grow cold but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
the Great Commission, Jesus' final words, were repeated several times. And if we look at Matthew 24, no, 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus instructs his disciples to make disciples of every nation, that every family of the earth would be blessed. Right from Genesis 12, verse 3. And that they would bless their Lord God in worship and obedience. So the disciples crossed barriers, geographic, ethnic, religious, mm -hmm. bringing the gospel to the whole world. This task continues to be the vision and purpose of the church. The New Testament describes how the disciples extended their ministry to the Gentiles. And this is an interesting, when I read this from Acts 13, um, you sense the frustration of Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, verse 46, 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and blaspheming. They contradicted what was spoken by Paul. Then both Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken first to you. Since you reject it and judge yourselves to be unworthy of eternal life, we are now turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light for the Gentiles, so that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they praised the word of the Lord. And as many as had been destined for eternal life became believers. Mm -hmm. Thus, the word of the Lord spread throughout the region. And then Acts 15, there's a very clear decision made by the council to not require Gentiles to follow Jewish laws, which opened the door for the story of grace. Mm -hmm. I love, you know, the opportunity today to, you know, look look at this covenant in all of the, you know, in and obviously we haven't discussed every single time it's referred to in scripture, but um just how often this ultimate plan is referenced. Mm -hmm. I think growing up, um I grew up in the church, so I was familiar, you know, with what God promised to Abraham, but I didn't spend much time um, studying the Old Testament until, you know, much, much more recently. 
So in my mind, I kind of separated it from, you know, the initial, you know, part of the Old Testament that, you know, you you learn often through Sunday school and everything like that. And then I kind of skipped a, a lot of the the more complicated sections of the Old Testament. Um, and then I would skip ahead to the New Testament. And obviously, you know, like you said, ultimately once, you know, after Pentecost, we really see the gospel being spread, you know, everywhere. And in, I think I had this misconception that, you know, while it was ultimately God's plan that thankfully all of the nations would be included in this um, plan for reconciliation, that it was a, a quote unquote New Testament idea that, you know, Christ, Christ, you know, came to be the Messiah for the Jews and then also the Gentiles, but that it kind of wasn't addressed elsewhere. And I remember, you know, the first, first couple times, I think, you know, reading through the whole Old Testament chronologically and just realizing that like, no, God was very straightforward in the Old Testament that he ultimately, while he set aside his people, you know, he ultimately planned to redeem the whole world. It wasn't just, well, you know, the, my people rejected Jesus. So I guess I'll open it up to the rest. Mm -hmm. Like, no, he Mm -hmm. always intended to be the God of all of the nations. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been a real gift to be able to kind of be reminded of that Mm -hmm. through today's discussion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So we always like to, you know, even though this season is talking about how Christ fulfills these covenants and prophecies, um, we know that the, ultimately the Bible is a book about God. Um, So what do you feel that this, the fulfillment of this covenant tells us about God himself? I think the heart of God extends to every person. And when we look at our society and how messed up many things are, I think we forget that God has a heart to reach everyone. And when I, when I look further into um, Acts 15 and how God opened the door for the Gentiles to be part of that covenant relationship, the new covenant in Jesus Christ, even though they didn't follow the rules of the Jewish nation, which was a huge barrier removed so that the Gentiles could have that relationship with a God who loved them and wanted them to be the body of Christ to ultimately bring him glory. So the fact that the families of the earth are blessed and that we are grafted into the family of God is a privilege and a joy in my personal relationship with him. But as I look at the church relating to the city, to our state, to our country, to our world, uh, this is a gift of salvation extended to everyone, to all those nations. And that compels us to praise him, to serve him in his quest for relationship, for obedience and worship from every corner of the world, because that is his heart. And I think God spoke pretty specifically to John in the latter days um, of his life on the island when he wrote Revelation. And 
when we imagine Revelation 5, it's wonderful, I'm going to take some time to read this. In Revelation 5, this is the glory of my personal Savior, Jesus, and the sovereignty of God the Father by his Holy Spirit that I can live and I can pray over a globe, over a country, over um, my Chinese neighbors whom I meet for ESL classes. And his, his glory is, is made greater and it's multiplied because that is his heart, is that all people bring praise to his name. So then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who, had, who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed for God, saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them, he's made us, to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. So the vision of the scroll and the blood of Jesus Christ opening the way for God to receive that worship and that honor that we bring him in obedience. So it's pretty exciting mm -hmm. for me to read that. And there's one more, um, Revelation 7, verse 9 to 17. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you are the one that knows. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, 
They are before the throne of God and they worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God is a God of grace and love and he is present with every people group and language and culture. And when I think of one third of the world population not having a church, not having a testimony to Jesus Christ, I think we need to bring the word. We need to pray for those who live near, who can bring the word, and the church needs to multiply so that there is greater glory and praise to this God who sits on the throne. Wow, that's <sighs> that's that's a word to to wind down on. It's so, you know, as you mentioned, you know, our we see so much brokenness and you know, God, God is still at work, but we know, you know, we're still in that in-between before mm -hmm. this final restoration is to happen. And so to be about the work of reconciliation, there's so much reconciling that needs to be done between within people groups and between people mm -hmm. groups. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, so just looking for those opportunities, even, even here, you know, wherever here is for mm -hmm. our listeners, you know, there's opportunities to be involved in that ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Carol, as we wind down today, are there any last encouragements you've had, you would have for any of our listeners? I affirm the very term of this organization of women in the word. If we read with the eyes of the spirit, opening our hearts to learn and then obey, God will direct our path. And for me, I have joined a, a course called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement mm -hmm. that has altered my thinking from an individual salvation. I'm safe in Jesus to prayers and petitions and giving and sending so that those who don't have the word have an option to learn about and then choose to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that is my heart's desire because God has given that to me and the course has fueled that. So as we learn in the word, as we listen to podcasts, as we Consider taking this class, which will be in January 2021 at Fairhaven Church, perspectives.org, that we can continue in the word, loving our neighbor, extending our vision to the multiplication of people coming to him so that his glory and his honor is, oh, that it alters and changes our world mm -hmm. for eternity, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that is our hope. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Carol. It's a pleasure you. to have you. Thank you so much.